Hi everyone, I'm Caroline Hill. Welcome to Charting Change in Legal. I'm here with Ari Kaplan. Hi Ari. Hi, how are you? As everybody knows, I'm an analyst that covers legal and I'm I'm so excited to be here with you. I stole I stole your introduction. You know you me. Did. You Hi, did. I am Ari. And that's Kaplan. some serious thunder that you do not want to steal, but it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is great to be chatting with you today. Um, we've got some cool things that we're going to talk about. As usual, the conversation will no doubt roam in many different directions. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I can only hope something flies by the window and it just adds even more flair to uh, this exciting conversation. Yeah, so let's do it. Let's get right down to it. Um, uh, you know, I'm eager to catch up after the last few weeks and, uh, you know, I'm hoping that the people who are listening are having a, a great summer and that there's, uh, you know, enjoying all the interesting things that are happening in our space. It's crazy. So we, um, so I went to the old Bailey the other de- the other night. Yep. So there's been one one thing. There's been so many events going on. Like so, obviously we've stopped talking. Thank goodness about COVID, really. Um, and but people are just going. You know, there's so much going on. So many get-togethers, which is lovely, and it's you know, yeah. it's great. But um, you and I are going to see each other at Ilta. We are going to see each other in Orlando, which is super exciting. Um, so anyone who wants to see us, uh, drop us a line. Um, uh, so we, I went to the Old Bailey, which is the Central Criminal Court in London. It's very famous. People know it internationally. Um, and I was there for an event with Legal UK. They had Professor Richard Siskin there to talk about his. So, so as you you know, you know Richard, uh, and and um, you've interviewed him. Um, he's always been at the forefront of ideas. You know, you can trust when he says something quite often, it's very much worth listening up. He's been talking about AI for a really long time and writing books about it since before we all started paying any attention, really. Um, so it was great to hear him speak. He's a really great speaker. Um, but to a to a room, I mean, the old Bailey is just beautiful. The interior is just incredible. And there was a, a group of some of the most senior people, barristers. Um, there was... Um, Dame Gloucester there who had kicked off the proceedings. Um, anyway, so he's talking, he was calling, it was interesting because he was calling for a new, this is a UK story, but I think it's got international relevance. So he was calling for a new UK institute to respond to the recent AI development. Um, and his, one of the tenets was keeping the UK this is the UK angle because obviously we have globally been respected you know in terms of English law when you've got a jurisdiction clause often it will be English law applies so we've we've kind of dined out on that for years Um, and there seems to be a real sense of you know concern and opportunity so they're saying you know we we can't just sit back with the new developments. Richard described it as the most, in terms of the Gen AI announcements and all of the work that's going on now, um, he described it as the most significant development in his 40 years. Um, And and he warned that we can't have a very disjointed approach where everybody's doing a little bit of something and no one really has any authority. Um, He did he did say that, you know, he referenced blogs when he talked about, um, he said, I'm trying to think what he said. He said uh, there have been all sorts of events, blogs, lectures, papers and speculation, but little that is authoritative, obviously, apart from mine, Ari, and yours. You know, of course. Uh, no, no, no. He's absolutely right. Yeah, that's right. Um. <laughs> he didn't mean me. Um, or you. But he said, you know, we now need to be coherent. Um, 
and he called on the, the leading legal innovators to put, come together with their ideas as to how we can have a cohesive approach to, to this sort of not just AI but innovation and rather than having it being very piecemeal um, which I thought was really interesting. He said yeah, he made look I'm a, case. I'm a fan of Richard's in fact in 2009 he was the keynote speaker at the ABA tech show following the end of lawyers question mark he's very emphatic about the question mark and I was the keynote in 2010 and felt super intimidated that I was the keynote speaker after Richard and uh, and then I interviewed him in 2011 and I remember after our interview I asked him about my own career like if he had career advice and he was such a wonderfully generous person has always been to me and and you know anytime I've ever seen him and and he said my advice is to be bold right he just said he said be bold and whatever you're going to do be bold about it and you know make an impact and it just I always wonder if I've lived it up enough to that uh, you, you know recommendation but when I when I heard that he had given this presentation and when you and I had spoken about it it just reminded me that he really has always lived in with that mindset like be bold propose a national approach you know start talking about something generations before it's going to be used in you know like he was so far ahead of these conversations that you can't help but trust that what he's saying is based and founded on you know decades of research and and practical applications so i i think it sounds great and i hope that it becomes part of a broader approach to harmonizing how this you know how this works how it's applied what the what the potential guardrails might be, uh, if that makes sense for an industry. So that uh, sounds like it was a super presentation. Yeah, I love that he gave you career advice. That is really well, sweet. I'll take it. I'll take it at whatever age, at any stage. Uh, <laughs> from I mean, this was this was in 2011, so it was it was uh, you know 12 years ago when we yeah, had that yeah, particular yeah. meeting. He is and really uh, you know, I'd always admired him. Yeah. People do really listen, and I think you're right. I think he's got to the stage now where you know having obviously written a lot you know people are now listening and, and what's interesting is that I think people are really looking for answers as well right people right now people need guidance and they're looking for you know there's a oh there's an overwhelm like I'm being approached by law firms more than ever to come and host or speak or talk and 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 often you know the likes of Microsoft would be involved and I think that there's a a real overwhelm of information right now. Yeah. People are really trying to make sense of it. Um, so I think that it's having someone like Richard and having this sort of centralized um, thing rather than just a ton of noise. You know, I don't mean to be <laughs> disrespectful to other sources of noise, but um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a great a great shout. What's um? So tell me about what's going on in your world. You've been doing more research. Well, you mentioned this this point about uh, trying to understand what the challenges are. Law firms, you mentioned, you know, speaking to a lot of law firms and them being concerned. I actually had the privilege of interviewing, gosh, uh, 18 chief operating officers, 10 executive directors, a CEO and a CAO, a chief administrator officer for a, a new report that's really focused on leadership. You know, what 
are the qualities of leadership? How has that changed? How are leaders navigating change management? That's a topic that I'm participating on a panel on at Ilticon. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's it's a concern. You know, the, the skill set for leaders is changing, the way that they're applying technology and understanding technology, the need to adapt to a multi-generational workplace. Many people have described this this period in legal as sort of existential. We have to make a choice now that is going to drive us forward for many years. And it's, um, yeah, it's great. I'm doing a webinar on this on August 1st. So I'll be talking about, about the results. And the, you know, it's... I guess I also have found that there's a real interest in sharing perspectives for this kind of research now. Yeah. And I don't don't know if you're finding that when you have sources, if they are, you seem. I think they are. Yeah. I was, do you know, as you were talking, I think, yes. And I think we always share. I think you and I have talked about that before. And this is a great time for that. You know, it was itching my brain as you were talking. Oh, I know. So when you're talking about leadership, um, one of the things that holds us back I think is the personality of the lawyer and I don't think that we're necessarily that suited to change and I was thinking I was trying to remember his name as you were speaking but it's Dr Larry Richards yeah yeah, Larry Richard yeah Yeah, of course lawyer brain and and I've interviewed him you've interviewed and he you know it's fascinating I don't know how much if, if this came through in your conversations at all or sometimes it's just there in the background like in terms of um leadership and and how to sort of move to the next level. And the trouble is that lawyers, you know, whether you're in private practice or you've moved in, in-house, you know, you've got the same thing, which is often it's lawyers who are deeply fearful of change and they are deeply insecure. And I'm, you know, as an ex-lawyer, I can say that without feeling too critical. Um, uh, yeah, I think that the personality is the interesting thing that kept, did, was there an element of people talking about training or overcoming their own personal it's so funny that you mentioned that. So the research is supported by three organizations, Affinity Consulting, iManage, and SurePoint Technologies. And as a result, I really tried to break it down into profitability and the financial health of the firm, digital transformation, document management, and training and other aspects of deploying technology for leadership purposes and for the kind of the ability for the business to run. And so it was very lucky for me to get to work with these organizations because they aligned perfectly with these themes. And the idea of training and understanding how your systems worked and also deploying, capturing, and you know, just sort of manipulating data in ways that tell stories you know, all of that has become such a critical, uh, you know, set of skills that leaders need, right? They need to be able to answer questions quickly. They need to base those questions on fundamental data that is driving the firm as opposed to historically, you know, is this group profitable? Well, everyone's busy, you know, yeah. the bills get paid, right? Or or is, is this been a, you know, a useful tool? Well, people save the document. And then they open it. So it must be, you know what I mean? Like, I think that there's a, people are digging much more deeply into being productive and being efficient. And I don't, I can't, I I would imagine that there is a sensitivity to the fact that 
machines can do a lot more now. So if we're automating something, that was another data point that came out of this was sort of how much firms are automating processes, how much are they automating documents? You know, there's a lot of really interesting, rich, granular detail. And I think that, you know, the rise of AI or the practical nature of innovation has made everyone more attuned to it and, you know, elevated what firms are doing, which I think is a great thing for clients and it's a great thing for the practice. It removes a lot of the activities that people just didn't like to do or that took a lot of their time in ways that they recognized was less valuable but needed to get done. So, so I, it, it's so interesting. I, I was speaking to somebody about this. Um, I'm hosting a webinar on the digital law firm, the future firm, and um, we've got people from different perspectives. And I was sort of preparing with somebody earlier who was saying, I'm not interested in automating the entire firm because he said, what I want to do is create a bionic lawyer that's very human facing. He said, and by bionic lawyer, he meant somebody who has all of the tools that they need at their hands to do everything as efficiently as they possibly can. But it's very focused because we're a human business that we we deal with relationships that that's never going to that we can't we we couldn't see a day we were sort of thrashing out ideas. We couldn't see a day when that would change because we deal with people and people want to deal with people. And it's a case of what do you what do you automate? What do you and what do you be careful to preserve and, and protect and and enhance? You know, and I think that that's something that people need to be cognizant um, of and be having lots of conversations about. You know, what's the objective and are you putting the client need at the very forefront or are you just getting caught up in this like, oh, I got to automate everything? <laughs> yeah. Where's the yeah. goal? And I, my sense is that the pandemic while it drove a lot of change because it was urgent and necessary, it did give people a, a more perspective on how much time they're spending on what kinds of activities, like commuting, for example. So once people stopped commuting and they had an extra, whatever that was, 45 minutes each way, an hour, an hour and a half, right? I mean, they started thinking, well, what could I do at that time? And if law firms can essentially give equivalent amounts of time back for billing or for training or for mentoring or management or engagement, all of a sudden, that's really how you start changing culture. Everybody's talking about, well, we want to preserve our culture. I think culture is something that you want to constantly kind of iterate on, right? Make better and make improvements and also listen to where there are gaps in the culture and who's not recognized and be as inclusive as possible. And I think you need time for that. You need the ability to focus. And if if some piece of technology or a automation protocol can help that, as long as you're using that time more valuably, it just seems to like an elevating principle. I, I love that. I question whether that would happen. So yeah. I, I, I literally, I think if firms listening could think, well, you know, that could be one of our in a manifesto for the future, you know, when we're dealing with, when we're automating more, when we're trying to have, but I, <laughs> and that should be something, I think everybody should be having, doing a lot of brainstorming right now about what the future looks like and how to be appealing and attractive both to employees and to clients. Um, but, and I think that would be a great thing, you know, to to be more thoughtful about that. But I do 
worry or would imagine that it would just be more time saved would be more billable time billable time you're right like i don't know do you think it would change you know the the my research is really focused on on leadership and so leaders who have more time to contemplate ways to execute on a vision that was set in a strategic plan years ago tend to be more successful they just they have the ability to engage they can listen without the pressure of something else coming up and if we were able to somehow adapt that to more of the people in a firm or in a legal department or at a vendor wherever my sense is that you would you would see improvement you'd you'd certainly see additional work but really good firms have a sense of their allocation so they may be able to just fill in where people are less productive and give them the work you know what i mean like i, I guess in a perfect world that's kind of what happened but you're you you you're correct there's you know it's questionable like which way that you know this would this would go but my, my, i i i'm i'm an optimist you're Switzerland, yeah, 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 Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> I never I'm, expected yeah. anything other than diplomacy <laughs> on that answer. <laughs> <laughs> but so, well, we'll see. That's a kind of big will too. Um, yeah. But I think, did you, have you been talking about funding as well? Like, so, so I've been doing quite a bit on, um, it's been seen, see, I know it's not really a neat segue, but um, I think if I were to sort of talk about some of the other interesting stuff aside from Gen AI, although there is an element of it to it, it's, um, there seems to be an awful big drop in in deals at the moment, like over the last. So I did um, some research. I thought I, perhaps I was imagining, I think you also have been doing something on this, but um, looking at the, you know, we, I've followed a lot about private equity investment um, funding deals over the last year, God no, years and years, but over the last year, I, my suspicions that it has fallen off a cliff were confirmed. I was doing some work with um, Legal Complex, who we've got a kind of informal media partnership with, um, and Raymond Blitt, and, and the level of deals has, has dropped dramatically over the last um, year. Uh, I think 43, so legal and tax deals down by 43% in the first half of 23 compared with 2022. Um, although the debt financing deals are, are up dramatically because I guess when people can't access the equity, then they'll go for the debt, right? So, so yeah, so I thought that was quite interesting. It sort of confirmed my suspicions, but but then to add the, to add the Gen AI angle, um, It'd be interesting to see because there's obviously a lot of interest and a lot of new companies and there's this thought that actually that will probably start boosting the number of deals you know we've seen quite a lot of activity with startups and investment in that space just recently i track less the money that's going in or out and much more the focus on uh, business development the new the, you know the who who's in the space who's really using what tools you know i did a report focused on legal operations leaders asking them you know what tools they use in terms of crm or other applications and so i'm less concerned for for what i do in terms of the dollars and whether there's an uptick or a drop and much more in terms of what are the client 
expectations for different tools, et cetera. But you, but you know what was really interesting? So perhaps, so because there's less, um, I was chatting with somebody about um, CLM, contract review, yeah. they're, they're, they're on the vendor side. Um, they sort of, yeah, they're in the zone should remain nameless but um and they were saying what impact will this sort of drop in we've talked a lot about you know there's been a there was a huge uptick in contract review and you know software in the contract space there's been a massive uptick in in um i would say usage actually but there's been a lot of firms that have been buying contract review tools and and in this in the corporate space clm what impact does it have if the number of deals fall significantly does it mean that more people will start to need software because actually they need to be more efficient because the deals are down or does it mean that they start saying oh you know we're going to cut you know we don't need this kind of these kind of tools in this space I just thought it was really interesting from that I suppose that's the segue into the types of research that you do you know whether it will have an impact in terms of what they're looking at well, clearly it gives a competitive advantage to the people who have raised their money two years ago or what have you and who are executing very well. But there always seems to be an opportunity. I mean, certainly whether the number has gone down or up, I, I can think of people who've recently raised money and were very pleased with, with how that went, both from an investor side and from a company side. So I think that each each company just needs to focus on, you know, driving forward in their own uh, you know respect i don't i don't know that what on the day on a day-to-day uh, level you know some some deals are just unique and interesting and we've seen that recently some just happen to hit at the exact right moment which is wonderful for you know those entrepreneurs i think that um you know wh- where money is being raised is is, is less at least in the in the in the immediacy it's sort of like what less than that is much more you know is their product market fit is someone going to use your application you know i think there are fundamental questions that will come before that i understand the reality of raising money not that i have ever done so so i'm not i'm not uh, you know negating the value of that but it, you know you got to be persuasive in terms of getting that money you have to have some sort of fit you have to have some strong value proposition you need to have like a willing community of folks who want to try new applications and i think you're there so it's a wonderful time regardless of what that looks like from a funding standpoint because people there's an appetite for trying new tools and deploying them and you know kind of participating in a proof of concept and you know when you and i are at Ilticon, i'm sure that we will have conversations and see and hear stories about people trying that, doing that, what their experience has been. And also the users are much more sophisticated. You know, the yeah. people who are going to be participating are just much more adept at, at trying new tools and applying them to their systems and making decisions about whether or not they're truly useful. So I think that that's the one thing that entrepreneurs need to bear in mind is that you're selling to a more sophisticated universe of people and they're going to make decisions quickly they're going to know or not know fairly soon and if they're participating in that cohort that's trying your tool make sure they have the greatest experience ever and yeah. i think that i think that's a key piece so are you so um i guess to wrap up so ilta so are you speaking or not this year? i am i'm speaking oh. and uh yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to to being back. Uh, you know, the last time it was in this, I'm pretty sure the last time it was in 
Orlando was in 2019, which was yeah. a great Ilta con, and uh, I'm I'm excited to uh, to be back. So what I'll session are you going to be doing? I know we'll speak before then, but what session? Just because I guess people people start planning. I'm not a really good planner. I always I always feel like I start to panic, um, and then I think I'm going to plan like a month out and arrange lots of meetings. And then and then I forget about it. <laughs> well, mine's at 2 p.m. on the Wednesday, which I think right. went to the 23rd of August. And it, okay. it's it's about change fatigue. And I'm participating with several other just remarkable panelists, uh, all of whom are from law firms, incredible experience. So I'm honored. And of course, on that Wednesday morning, I'm hosting a run. Uh, we're trying to figure out the time. They proposed six. Oh and I thought God. six seemed kind of early, even for even I'll be up, but it just seemed early. And I think last year we did it at 6.30, but it depends on when the opening sessions are. So we'll see. But definitely bring your running shoes. I know you're coming. I for know anyone, you're For anyone who's listening in, who's listened to previous ones, we talk a lot about Ari's runs at conferences. In fact, I think statistically, if we got GPT to analyze how much we spent <laughs> talking about your runs as opposed to anything else, uh, I think we <laughs> The thing, the machine would be like, is Ari like a running teacher? Is he, does he ever, I bet you would like describe it. What does Ari do? Ari owns a running store. Um, I think that's, uh, that's the impression. Like, do you do anything? Yes, I sell Brooks sneakers and I love them. Anything else? Uh, <laughs> anyway, wonderful as always to connect with you. I'm excited to follow up and appreciate the time. Thanks, Ari. All right. It's really the, uh,